The Sunday Sit-Down on Algoa FM. I did say to you a little while earlier on that um, on the second Sunday in um, the new year, uh, we would return to the Sunday Sit-Down, and I am honoured um, to say good afternoon and welcome to uh, Des Lindberg, one half of Des and Dawn. Good afternoon, how are you? Thank you very much indeed, Charles. Thanks for inviting me, and it's a pleasure to be on Algoa. I, I must say, so you're in play, right? Yes, I am, yes. Because you could really just tune your radio to us, and I hope you have been. Unless, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless yeah. Unless what we're doing falls under what my parents sometimes say, it's not music anymore, or words to that effect. No, I, I'm, I'm a very a Catholic collector of music taste, and always have been, and uh, I enjoy very much what, what comes up on Algoa, especially when I'm driving. Um, which I do quite a lot of. Yeah, I can imagine. That's quite a thing, because um, aren't you turning 81 this year? Uh, I will turn 81 in June, yes. yes okay, yes. yeah. I'm not letting the old man in, though. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I like the sound of that. So, in short, um, the reason we're talking to you is because um, a career spanning six decades, uh, yours and um, the late Dawn, has been turned into a book that you, that you guys wrote um, that was fortunately complete by the time that we lost her, very sadly, at the beginning of uh, December 2020. Uh, and I love, love, love the title. Every Day is an Opening Night, a subtitled kind of Our Journey Together. Yep. Uh, it, it, it really was a title which meant a lot to Dawn and I. Um, Dawn often gave talks um, to corporates and, and others who booked her. And the, 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 the title of the talk was sometimes Every Day is an Opening Night. And when we sat together, um, in fact, during lockdown here in Plett, having moved to Plett uh, two years ago, we were able for the first time to sit down and work together on what had been written by me and by her, mostly by her at that stage. And, and I was able to add in uh, what I wanted to, to tell stories about. And, um, and, and we started to illuminate um, our story, our life tale. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, and starting, of course, with how you met. Uh, and it, it was interesting because uh, one of the articles that I'd, I read uh, says the story differs slightly depending on who tells it. But now it's only yeah. you left to tell it. So do tell, because um, from the little bit that I read, it was terrifying. Well, um, um, one, one of the stories was, was very romantic. <laughs> and one of the stories was, and one of the stories was very, very terrifying. Uh, let me tell you that Dawn preferred the romantic one. Right. We were both in the back row of the chorus of a, of a, an old uh, Frimmel musical called uh, The Vagabond King, and Dawn was a, a courtier lady, and I was a, a knight on on a horse, uh, you know, strapped to me, and I, we were both in the back row of the chorus, and it has a famous song in it called Only a Rose. Right. And Dawn loved this story because every night I galloped across the stage and presented her with a plastic rose during the run. Right. And it was our musical together, ever. Okay. The other story was the terrifying. We went together hardly knowing each other. Uh, we'd, know, we'd seen each other, but we, we were not yet um, friends or linked up. And we went to to Joburg City Hall on a huge march against a 90-day detention without trial, which was an extraordinary thing because it wasn't just students. It was academics. It was journalists. It was clerics. It was teachers. It was um, political activists. And there we all were. 
uh, marching in academic dress. Um, all the students were. And Dawn had a, had a banner. She was on one end of a banner, and my, I, was on the, um, I was on the other. And um, we were attacked. We were attacked with rotten eggs and empty bottles um, by the people who worked in the, in the local um, uh, big post office in Johannesburg, right opposite City Hall. Oh, wow. And as, no sooner had that started then the, uh, the buses started to arrive, and out of the buses came lots of students from Tuckies. And they were all dressed like rugby players, and they advanced on us, looking very threatening. And behind them came the police, in police vans, all with truncheons and shields. Yo. <laughs> and they moved in, and there's this big fight broke out. I took the stick out of the end of the banner, and I went for the front guy, <laughs> um, because I knew we were about to get clobbered. And the, the, the tear gas canisters, canisters started to arrive at my feet. Sure. And I kicked one of them, and it went straight back to the guy who'd thrown it, and he caught it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I rescued them, and she loved the story too, because um, I rescued her and took her to the library gardens. And across the library gardens is the library um, in Johannesburg, and we'd, we were very familiar with the library. We knew it had a water machine in the, in the foyer. And um, I, I wet my academic dress gown and, 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 and mopped her face and got the, the dust of the, the tear gas off. And she always called me her knight in shining armor. Nice. Um, then the, um, I see that you made one of the best decisions of your life ever, other than marrying her or, or, or kind of you know, starting to see her. And that was you, <laughs> you taught her to play the guitar. Well, yes, uh, we, you know, we decided um, that it would be quite a good idea to tour because I was, I was singing in the coffee bars and Dawn was learning a couple of songs, but, but not with a guitar. I was playing the guitar and I bought her a guitar and I gave it to her after, after a little supper one night and I said, here's your guitar. And she said, I can't play guitar. <laughs> and I said, I said to her, but I'll teach you. Little did I realize what a perfectionist Dawn was because she immediately realized that my guitar technique didn't match up with the, the proper players, the classical guys or anybody. Oh dear. So off she went to Dietrich Wagner, who was a brilliant, brilliant guitarist and lutenist. And he, uh, he taught her guitar. And she, if you look at any of the pictures of her playing guitar, her hands are in the correct position, <laughs> and mine are definitely not. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so the, this is now, of course, the, the birth of Des and Dawn, the folk duo. And if you don't mind me fast-tracking slightly, uh, onto the days of the Troubadour uh, coffee bar. Um, yeah. And then the folk on trek. That was your three years um, in the Transvaal and Rhodesia, right? Right. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. We, uh, yes, we, we decided uh, um, that I would continue in the three bars, although I was studying law at this the time. And my law professor called me in one night and he said, Mr. Lindbergh, why is it that you are, uh, he had a German accent, mm -hmm. why is it that you are uh, sleeping in my lectures? I said, I do apologize, Professor Harlow. I, I, I don't mean to, but I'm very tired. Why is it that you are tired? I said, because I sing at night. He said, where do you sing? I said, in a coffee bar. He said, what do you sing? I said, folk music. He said, I think it's a good career choice. <laughs> so, and that was the end of my law career. I left the law faculty. <laughs> did, so, so did you did you finish your degree or did you just did, no no okay. right? It was my first year in law. In those days, you had to do a BA first, which I right. had, and then um, you had to learn Latin, yes. which you don't anymore. 
Um, and um, and here we were um, now confronted with the law professor who wrote the, the textbook called Harlow and Khan telling me that I had a future in singing and I should do that. So <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's the scales and Dawn and I decided to go on tour. And yes, we went off on tour. We bought a beautiful caravan. Um, we didn't have any money. We had to borrow money to get it. We didn't have a house either. And we, we were... We weren't exactly trailer park trash, but we certainly were gypsies. <laughs> and and we, we toured about the whole of South Africa and then moved um, up to, to what was then Rhodesia. And we played every single town in Rhodesia. You can't name a town we didn't play in. And it was a wonderful experience. And it packed them out. They loved us in Rhodesia as well. Hmm. And um, so Dawn and I became uh, whistling gypsies and we put together a show which had... Literally two microphones, one change of costume for Dawn, and uh, two guitars and two and 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 um, and two speakers, which we carried around with us. And <laughs> wow. it truly was uh, being on the road. It, it was it was hard work. The Rhodesian tours, by the way, were fifty concerts in fifty six days in different venues. Yeah, I, I uh, when when you kind of think of that, that kind of work ethic, because I mean that is is essentially what it sometimes comes down to. Um, it, it seems a little foreign in the world we live in um, today. Right on to your the, the kind of next bit of uh, controversy. So not content with upsetting the censors, with being banned here and banned there, and called ugly names, they decided that they would mount a multiracial production of Godspell. Yes, we did indeed. Um, in fact, we flew to London to see the original production with Jeremy Irons in it and, and David Essex, and we became friends with them, and they, they were very excited that we were going to do it in South Africa. And uh, we, we brought back um, the script and the rights, and we put it on and realized we had nowhere to rehearse because in those days, a multiracial cast, which was one of the conditions in, in the uh, contract with the writers, um, who lived in America was that we had to have a multiracial cast, which is what we intended in the first place. So we went offshore, or not quite. <laughs> we went over the Caledon River into into um, Lesotho, where we did Godspell in Maseru, <laughs> and we did we did it there for five months sure. in, in a conference center, which I adapted into a theatre with rake seating and lighting and everything. It was very, very, very exciting. Yeah, a five-month run of anything in South Africa, I think, is also largely un unheard of uh, and, and would have won you, um, hopefully, more fans than enemies, but I'm sure there were, there were, there were plenty of enemies. Um, well, well, you know what did happen, Charles, which is very interesting, was that we were on the border of, of uh, Lestu and, and the Free State, and the Free State was renowned, very much renowned, for National Party uh, supporters and farmers. And boy, did they come to Godspell. They oh. flowed over that border <laughs> like, a, like a tsunami. Right. And, and we, we had an absolutely blessed season. It was wonderful. Hmm. Um, the, the, now, here's the thing. Um, it, it's worth mentioning that uh, you are, are a, a few years older than I am. Um, so my, my first awareness, really, of Des and Dawn is round about the time of the Sunday soirees. Um, including uh, yeah. an all-star cast of, of uh, South African and um, internationals. Um, and then, of course, I saw the name Toby Kushlik pop up, and that, of course, also sent, you know, kind of me reminiscing 
uh, for want of a better way yes. of putting it. Yes, yes. Well, you know, one of the lucky things in the writing of this book was we decided to do it as a dialogue because we each had, as you said, different memories of different events, different different stages in our career. And what was so marvelous about writing like that was when we were writing together, we decided that Dawn would be talking about the art side of things. I'd be talking about the the socially conscious, um, sh- uh, can I use the word shit-stirring? Yeah. <laughs> We were shit stirrers. Good. Um, and 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 then, of course, we had our, our romance, our romance which lasted 55 years. Wow. Until, until she passed on. So, yes, we did. And, and, of course, the soirees happened in a venue which was our home on top of Houghton Ridge, looking out across the whole of the north of Johannesburg, looking out towards the Mahalisburg Mountains, which you could see from our balcony. Hmm. And um, uh, and we decided that we couldn't afford this house. It was a big house. It was on four <laughs> stories high. Right. It had a lovely hall in the middle. And so we decided to have soirees. And true to Dawn's determination, she said, well, that's, that's easy. We, we All we need to do is put cushions on the floor and let people come and listen. But it wasn't that simple because a lot of the people needed a piano yeah. and they needed a little stage and they needed lighting and they needed a sound system. And so we started to put all that together. And um, a, a dear fan called uh, Goethe Hirschfeld brought his, his daughter who loved music um, but was a little bit mentally challenged and she loved this music that she was hearing at the first soiree which was happened to be a guitar soiree but he donated us a hundred chairs so suddenly we had a venue oh. and it was amazing i built a stage and we bought a piano and everybody <laughs> you've ever heard of in classical music jazz and pop played uh, that piano in in our hall yeah. Uh, well, I, I saw um, Jeremy Taylor to Mark Banks, to Johnny Clegg, to John Carney, Toby Kushlik, Peter Dirk Ace, um, Richard Clayderman, uh, the UK. Um, he was the UK pianist, not? Well, Richard Clayderman was an interesting one because Ronnie Quadell booked us. As we were leaving for tour, he booked us to play on the Clayderman show. And I'd never heard of Clayderman nor had Dawn. It oh. wasn't sort of our style of, of, of how they had popular classics. Fair enough. But, um, <laughs> but, but we didn't know who he was, and you couldn't Google it in those days. So we had to go buy the record. Ah. And we listened, and we went back to Ronnie Quabell, and we said we'd love to. And we did 30 concerts with Clayderman. Oh, I had no idea um, it was that many. Oh, yeah, all over the country. It was incredible. It was really nice. And they gave us a, 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 a budget for a five-piece band. So we, we had uh, beautiful, beautiful musicians playing behind us, yeah. which was very new for us because we'd done all our shows with, with just guitars. Mm. Um, I, I, we, we've run out of time spectacularly, which is generally the case when, when, we, when I get chatty. The, the one thing, though, that, that uh, we would be kind of, uh, it would be remiss of us not to mention, then is the Naledi Theatre Awards, which I think were largely uh, Dawn's brainchild. They were. They were entirely Dawn's idea, and and she put it all together close to nineteen, uh, close to uh, uh, two thousand and four. Yeah. She put that all together, and and it was the most remarkable thing because when we entered that arena, which was a small theatre, the first one, we realised that the showbiz recognition scene in South Africa was all white. Yeah. And Dawn and I were both determined that that should be rectified. And so 
during the 16 years, 17 years that we did the Naledi Awards, with or without subsidy from anybody, we, we um, managed to broaden the footprint of South African theatre recognition to a totally multiracial, totally multicultural, totally multidisciplined uh, um, uh, scene. And, uh, you know, we ended up in big theatres with uh, 1,200 seats and 2,000 seats uh, doing these shows with the main technical companies making a donation to help us by putting in their, their technicians and their beautiful equipment and the, and the expertise. So we managed to do it for 16 years, cool. and that was a hell of an achievement. And I, I put that right at, at, in Dawn's crown. Yeah. She was an amazing woman. Uh, yeah, I, I get the impression, and you, you're, you're welcome to be annoyed or uh, or disagree. She would probably have used the word dedicated, words like dedicated and tenacious, but I, it, it strikes me that she could have been a little bit bossy under the right circumstances. Well, you know, the right circumstances uh, to be bossy, Charles, are, are definitely when you know what you're doing, when you know where you're going, you know what your mission is and your vision is, and you've got to be very firm about how to do it. And that's what Dawn did. Yeah. I mean, you can ask Ian von Memmerty, who lives near, nearer you than I do. Yes. Um, uh, you know, he, he uh, was very supportive of the, uh, the Naledi Theatre Awards and, in fact, won some. So, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, an incredible scene. It, it, it took a lot of... Look, okay, I'll, I'll sum one thing up for you. Des and Dawn were a brand. We were also uh, a board of directors of two, only two people. You can't have a majority in a board of two, <laughs> and you can't have a casting vote. Right. So unless we were in consensus, we couldn't do what we wanted to do. And we were always in consensus. Thank heavens. Ah, I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that. Thank you very much for taking a little time out to tell us a little bit more about Every Day is an Opening Night, our journey together, the Des and Dawn story, told in your own words, which I think is, is particularly cool. And now I am going to steal off um, the website that uh, I found the title on. It says, The book now stands in honor of her life, telling the tale of two pioneers of South African entertainment in their own words. As Des writes in the coda, if this book achieves nothing else, I am determined that it will help me to sign off on our story in a way that does justice to the extraordinary leader, wife, mother, partner, and lover Dawn was. Our story is a joyful one, and we tell it together as a celebration of life. That's and can I, well can I add one word, one two words there? Dawn um, had written the final chapter before she fell ill. Right. And uh, I was determined that that should be the end of the book. It was wonderful. It ended with a poem and it ended with the thing, we're not going away, Lechaim, to life. Hmm. And guess what happened? She got ill. In six days she was gone. And it's been my mission to finish the book the way she wanted it. And the hardest thing I've ever done was to write the last chapter. I can imagine. Uh, Des Lindbergh, thank you again, and uh, we'll catch up with you, no doubt, sometime in the future. Please do, Charles. I'm, I'm, I'm always very, very, very willing and, and able to, to share ideas with you. Great. Enjoy the rest of Sunday, and um, as I said, yeah, we'll catch up again. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Bye-bye. On air. On air. Online. Online. And all over your world. This is Algoa FM.